Hi everyone, my name is Komala. And this is Summer. And you're listening to Tech Talks with Wibbit. Welcome back to Tech Talks with Wibbit. I am your host, Komala, and today I am joined by Summer. Hello everyone. In honor of Women's History Month, we will be taking a deeper look into a very important topic this episode, imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is the feeling of being undeserving and being doubtful of the awards or attention that you are receiving, as well as the feeling of fraudulence in situations that bring acknowledgement or placements, such as college and job acceptances. Adding on to what Summer said, it is the inability to reap the benefits of your own hard work. It's based on the assumption that what you're doing is not enough compared to others, so they deserve more benefits than you. There are many reasons why we feel imposter syndrome, but some contributing factors are how your parents raised you to accept awards and accomplishments, being placed into a new work or school environment, and how high you may set your personal goals. Oftentimes, flaws in the process to achievement can make you invalidate everything you've accomplished in the past, despite the praise you may have received. This is more common in women, as not only are we comparing ourselves to others, we are also comparing ourselves to our male counterparts. And the problem that arises with this is that we allow others to determine our success before we do. And when wrongfully compared to men, women may feel pushed down and discredited. Almost everyone has experienced this at one point or another, and that doesn't exclude some of the famous names that you may have heard before. One being the influential and very successful Maya Angelou. Angelou is commonly known for struggling with imposter syndrome and states, I've written 11 books, but each time I think, uh-oh, they're gonna find out now. I run a game on everybody and they're going to find me out. And with this, Angelou basically was explaining that she didn't feel worthy of anyone purchasing her books or giving any time to her work. While her books were some of the best works in history, even she doubted how great they truly were. And this definitely wasn't because of a lack of praise and that she was receiving from her fan base or from her friends and family. It is simply of her own doing and from her own mind doubting the accomplishments that she had rightfully earned. Another familiar name that almost everyone in the world recognizes is Albert Einstein. Although he was one of the smartest men to ever exist, even he struggled with self-doubt and deprecation. He is known for saying at a very old age, the exaggerated esteem in which my life work is held makes me very ill at ease. I feel compelled to think of myself as an involuntary swindler. It's impossible to believe that the Albert Einstein suffered from imposter syndrome because he is the definition of genius. Another group of individuals who surprisingly suffer from imposter syndrome are powerful female executives. In a study conducted by KPMG, 75% of women executives had experienced some sense of imposter syndrome throughout their career. In fact, Individuals in any minority group, women, people of color, and LGBTQ individuals are more likely to experience imposter syndrome because of the effects of systematic oppression that they've experienced throughout their lives. 
In the case of gender bias, many hold the hostile perspective that women are incapable of holding high positions because of their obligations as a housewife or their inability to control their emotions. Due to gender bias, women feel like they have to work extra hard to disprove these biases and make up for being a woman. On top of that, when women do receive the role, they believe that it was because of diversity initiatives and not because of their hard work, a perspective that many jealous colleagues also reinforced. Another piece of interesting information that we discovered is that there is more than one way that people can experience imposter syndrome. When hearing the words imposter syndrome, most people think about perfectionists who set high goals for themselves and get disappointed when they aren't able to achieve those goals. Additionally, there are four more types of imposter syndrome. You have the experts who feel that they have to know everything in the world and when they come across new information, they get upset with themselves. Next, I am sure many of you have encountered soloists in group projects. Soloists believe that they have to do everything by themselves and that working with other people discredits their own hard work. Natural geniuses expect to get everything right on the first try and are reluctant to put in extra effort as it questions their inherent abilities. Finally, the superhero who believes excel at everything they do in life to match the pace of their peers. In short, any thought that starts with the words, I am not good enough, resembles imposter syndrome. Being a superhero myself, an instance I faced is when I was applying to schools. I had been reached out to for some interviews with Ivy League schools, even talked to my counselors and some of the people in the office at the school I had been at, that I would be the first to ever go to an Ivy League school, first to have an interview with an Ivy League school, and first to even think about going to one. I didn't really feel like I was in the position to be that person to be the first one to go. To give you some backstory, I went to this really small school in the country where my graduating class was about 180 students. I think that a lot of the time that I was feeling like I needed to go to a state school or a small school, which is what I ended up doing in the end, but I did end up applying to those schools and actually visited a few of them. And while I was there, I felt that lack up around me being the first one to do this. And I feel like just being at the school and with the Ivy League name, it amplified everything. This feeling of not belonging didn't really happen when I visited a lot of my other schools that happened to be smaller or in-state schools or just regular state schools. But I think just having that label of an Ivy League school and me being the first person, it really made me question whether I needed to be there. And if I belong there at this time, just this self-doubt that I constantly had in the back of my head, despite my grades and despite my scores. It really was just my own mindset that was making me feel like I didn't need to be there. And like I was taking somebody else's spot that could have been there instead of me. But although this was before I got accepted, this feeling of imposter syndrome actually carried through after my decision. I ended up deciding on going to the University of Washington, which is where I spent my first year. I chose the school because it had an amazing program for pre-med, which is what I was at the time, and it just felt right when I visited. 
After COVID hit, I did end up transferring to IU. But while I was out there, I kind of experienced something that I haven't experienced at IU. It may just be because everything is virtual now, but I really did get hit hard with this imposter syndrome right off the bat at UW. I was always in honors classes and I didn't have to necessarily try too hard to get the grades I wanted. But when I came to college, especially being in this accelerated program with all of these other pre-students, I was for the first time in an environment where everybody was just like me. I was no longer the standout student that got perfect grades and ended up third in the class. That wasn't me anymore and I couldn't fill that position that I grew up knowing. So it made me feel like I wasn't doing enough or like I wasn't good enough to be there. And I put myself in this bad position by expecting it to be just like it had been in high school, being one of the only ones to go to an out of state school for college, reaching towards my dreams that I had since eighth grade and even younger. But I ended up being the student that felt stuck somewhere that she didn't belong because she was doubting herself when in reality, she belonged there just as much as everybody else. And now looking back on this, it took me until about halfway through my time there to realize this and come to the conclusion that my friends, my roommate, and all of the people around me, none of these people deserve to be there any more than I did. We all got there the same way. But I think what really helped me pull away from the self-doubt and the imposter syndrome and the self-deprecation was almost in a sense romanticizing everything that I was doing rather than comparing everything that I was doing to the person beside me or the person that was in the class before me. I really just took a step back and looked at what I had done from an outside view, which helped me almost summarize in my head all of the things that I had done, which is kind of an immensely long list of things that you don't really think about every day until you take the effort to take a step back. But I've come up with some techniques and some ways to pull myself out of that and motivate myself to keep doing what I'm doing, just mind my business and not compare myself so much. Summer, I absolutely relate to those feelings. While comparing yourself to other people, you lose track of your own achievements. But when you ignore everyone else's achievements, seeing how far you have come is amazing. I have also had similar experiences with imposter syndrome. Growing up in a predominantly Asian neighborhood in high school, I was taught to set higher standards for myself and to aim for the top because that was what everyone else around me was doing. With this mindset, I became a workaholic by studying excessively so I could achieve my academic goals. According to my standards then, an A was expected. Anything below that was a result of me not working hard enough. After all, if that kid could do it, that meant that I could too. But as a result of this hard work, I felt like I had lost my own life. Every day, I would head into school with less hours of sleep and a caffeine addiction, skip meals to study more, and not pay attention to those around me. Looking back at those times, I now realize that the goals that I set for myself were unrealistic. Instead of trying to compensate for not being able to reach other people's goals by working excessively hard, I should set appropriate goals so I could feel proud of what I had accomplished and still manage to be healthy. In fact, 
I took a class on positive psychology this semester, and I learned that overall happiness and productivity leads to success and that high-performing individuals have a habit of downplaying their accomplishments and instead focus on what they are unable to achieve. Understanding that the glass has to be viewed as half full instead of half empty and focusing on myself has definitely helped me work on those feelings of imposter syndrome. Focusing on yourself is so important, Kamala, along with having standards for yourself to understand what you're capable of. But a lot of the time, we don't take into account that we can mess up. And more than likely, we will mess up because that's just what humans do. We can't be perfect all the time. And these standards carry over into every part of our lives, whether it be school or social life. And you know, we don't typically share these personal standards or goals, but it's constantly in our minds that we need to be bettering ourselves and outdoing others if their standards seem to be different. And these expectations that we set for ourselves actually begin to hold us back when we start to make everything a competition, even after knowing that we won't always win. So it's super important to try to take the energy that you're putting into competing with others, whether it be face-to-face -face or behind the scenes, and putting that energy towards collaborating with others, not only to continue helping yourself, but allowing others to also be helped in the process. When you start to empower yourself and others at the same time, it will help your personal mindset as well as give you opportunities to help others. And for me, I fully believe that I'm the most successful when I've been able to help someone else reach their goals while also getting closer to mine. It almost makes the imperfections of the process seem far less drastic than if I was facing them myself. Love the point that you made about creating a collaborative atmosphere versus a competitive one. Instead of putting each other down, helping each other out and rising together as a team would definitely help reduce overall feelings of imposter syndrome. Individually, understanding and acknowledging that these feelings are symptoms of imposter syndrome is the first step to reducing it. Instead of acting on these feelings, question them. One misconception of feelings related to imposter syndrome is that these feelings are productive or motivation to succeed. This is wrong because imposter syndrome inhibits your abilities to grow and think for yourself. Wanting to achieve the same goals as someone else because it is perfect according to society causes you to lose out on what you truly want. Everyone has their own skills and weaknesses and reminding yourself that just because you are not good at something, that doesn't mean that you are unworthy of praise for what you are good at is really important. After acknowledging that these feelings are toxic to your mental health, the next step is to understand that you are not the only one who experiences imposter syndrome. Sharing these feelings of imposter syndrome and raising awareness, if you are comfortable, helps to create that supportive environment. Finally, appreciating the small wins that you experience every day helps so much. Cleaning your room or finishing that homework that you were putting off. Success is a subjective word. It can mean winning a video game or being the next president. You have the power to determine your own definition of success. Don't let anyone take that away from you.
This wraps up our fifth episode of the podcast. As always, we want to give a big thank you to our listeners for joining us. We encourage you to connect with us on our Instagram at wibbit underscore Kelly, where you can find more information about women in business technology at Kelly, as well as any updates with the podcast. In the meantime, stay tuned for the next episode of Tech Talks with Wibbit coming soon.